My mother believed and my father believed that if I wanted to be president of the United States, I could be, I could be vice president. This is America. Former Vice President Joe Biden has been elected president of the United States. It is my greatest honor and privilege to have been your president. We will be back in some form. We are still deeply divided. Public health experts warned this was coming unless more was done. And here we are now. Are you proud of what happened here today? Absolutely. Never before in American history has there been an uprising like this. Of the 75 million Americans who voted for Donald Trump, I don't know how many today are feeling, dear God, what was I thinking? But I would wager a lot more are thinking, let's carry on this fight. Character matters. It matters. Tell them the truth matters. The 21st century is going to be the American century. Because we lead not only by the example of our power, but by the power of our example. That is the history of the journey of America. Today on Irishman in America, Marion McKeown takes us to Wyoming, one of the states where the abortion ban that was about to take effect last week was temporarily blocked by judges amid lawsuits arguing that the ban violated their state constitution. If he endorses you, they will come. Wyoming is also Liz Cheney's country. We will get the latest on her primary campaign from Marion. And what does the endorsement of Kevin Costner mean in 2022? Marion, it's great to talk to you. We'll, of course, talk about the killing of Al-Zahawi and how that took place. But let's talk about Wyoming. Tell us where you are right now. and (laughs) Hilariously, what the Wi-Fi password is in your hotel. Well, the the Wi-Fi password, and I have to say the Wi-Fi doesn't work, but the Wi-Fi password is Wild West, which I think is marginally better than the Wi-Fi password when I was in Cheyenne, which was Jesus loves you. Um, and, and so we, you could you could tell a state by their passwords, but I have to say to to all the gang out there that Wyoming is the most heart stoppingly beautiful place, one of the most that I've ever been. I was here years and years ago, about 20 years ago, um, when I was making a documentary about professional bull riding. And uh, I went back to the the rodeo, the Cheyenne Frontier Days, which is a 14-day jamboree of everything cowboy and everything bucking bronco and and calf roping and bull riding. And, and, you know, it's such an interesting state because this is a red rock Republican state. There are about two tiny areas in it. One is in Jackson, where all the billionaires <laughs> have their homes. Um, mm-hmm. and, and the other is a place, is Albany County, which is also slightly, slightly, it's got a little blue tinge. But this is a state that voted for Donald Trump by, I think, about 60% more than they gave to Joe Biden. Uh, red, red, red state. But as I say, you really understand a lot of, not necessarily the MAGA, the Trump Republicanism, but, but you know, when you come places like this and you speak to the locals and you really hear their stories and their priorities, you do understand why, not so much even that they vote Republican, but why they're at a loss to understand what they see as Democratic priorities. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it makes for really interesting conversations. But um, it's it's also biker country. And, you know, I was coming into the hotel tonight, which was Buffalo Bill's Hotel. 
So the Buffalo Bill Cody built this hotel for his mistress, or who became his wife, I believe, Irma. So it's called the Irma. It's a classic old, I was expecting a gunfight in the bar earlier. It's such a classic old hotel. I don't think they've changed the wallpaper since 1850. (laughs) But it's got, it's soaked in atmosphere and there are, there are deadheads. They do love to rip the heads off animals and stuff them and mount them on walls. There are there aren't just dozens. There are probably hundreds all over the hotel. Uh, but it's it it's another world, but a fascinating world. And and you know to me. And as I say, going it we I spent today with with a friend of mine. I'm um, in Yellowstone for. Oh my, six, seven hours. We lost track of the time. It was pitch dark driving out. But just, you know, everybody knows about Old Faithful, the geezer and all that. But that is the, uh, that's the least of it. We saw bears, we saw bison, we saw, you know. It, it's Just in the, the regular the, run of things you saw them or it, were yeah, you taken the, to see them? No, no, just driving the car, driving the wow. car. And, and in fact, the bison, which had, I think had a, a bad leg, he was a giant. I mean, they're all big. But just on the side of the road, if I reached out the car window, I could have rubbed his head. I didn't. (laughs) He might have appreciated it. (laughs) But uh, like you are that close. The bear was a a little more distant. But I had had been... I was terrifying my sister, my family by saying, it's OK, I know exactly what to do if I'm attacked by a bear. And uh, and I had, had a, you know, been rehearsing the whole thing with, with friends just for fun. But anyway, the bear was, was far enough away that he didn't cross the road to see me. But, but just that thrill again of seeing these animals in nature and the size of them and the power of them is, is quite exhilarating. And of course, again, if anyone out there wants to get really into the wild, I say go to... Wyoming Yellowstone and as I said that the old geezer like all that like there are lots of people there but you go up to the prismatic springs and it's like all these things where there are just eruptions of scalding hot water fountains that come out of middle earth pretty much and they create this um, lava and these colours that are more vivid than rainbow colours and it's you cannot do it justice by describing it. I mean, our jaws were just like on the ground. With, I had been from the Montana end of Yellowstone Park years and years ago. Uh, I was taken out there by Ernest Hemingway's son on a story I was doing back in 2000. And it was stunning, but it didn't prepare me for the Wyoming end, which really is. It, it's it's not just another country, it's another planet almost. It's so beautiful. So, so when anyway, you that say said... You, yeah, so when you say you can understand Republicans more from seeing this beauty, is that because they're just so proud of where they live? Well, it's not so much to do with the beauty, but you do understand their culture, the outdoor culture, the cowboy. Like, things around here, like the Cheyenne Frontier Days, which is a 14-day gathering where people come from all over Wyoming. Now, there's only half a million people in Wyoming. It's empty. Like It's the 10th biggest state in, in America, but there are literally half a million people live here. So you can drive for hours without seeing anyone. So what this really breeds is self-reliance. People in Wyoming, like I, I was up in uh, Buffalo, gorgeous little town, uh, the day before, yesterday, the day before yesterday, and I was talking to this woman, Trudy Mallory, and she runs this little tough little motel which in which plumbers and road workers and all these people stay for months in the winter but she said in the winters all these towns shut down they have each other she said if the she said if the road gets blocked if there's a catastrophe if the wires go down she said 
we don't call the federal government as far as they're concerned in places that are as remote and, and that are just cut off for so much of the year the federal government doesn't exist so their priorities are first and foremost survival and um, secondly making a living free of interference from from outside people you know just legitimate livings like you know whether it's ranching whether it's running small businesses and they just see the federal government as something that is nothing but a nuisance it only brings bad news and and so some of them now there are um all gender bathrooms in in restaurants in in Cody but you know people and I know that it was the Republicans that made a big thing out of this distorted but you know when they talk to you they say like people can't even get in or out of here for six months of the winter and they're worried about you know who's using what restroom and and, and that everybody has to use the same restroom in and from from the perspective up here you can understand why it seems that these things mm. and as I say it's actually not Democrats to be fair it's Republicans that pick on things like Mr. Potato Head and etc etc and they build them up precisely for people like Wyoming who then hear it on the news and they go why why are these Democrats so crazy why are they so caught up about stuff like this when you know people up here just want to be allowed to uh, basically get on with their lives work their their land and and they they want guns they and again the gun thing is interesting up here because they see it as a necessity as ranchers okay apart from the second amendment rights which they're all hugely in favor of and they, like there are wolves there are bears they 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 see they need to be able to protect never mind from you know criminals or thugs or whatever they need to be able to protect their property but also they they don't see why anyone gets bent out of shape about the Second Amendment and really their attitude seems to be that, you know, if you don't want a gun, don't buy one, but don't try and stop us from buying one. Mm. Uh, and it's it's sort of, as I say, it's always good to get the other side. The other thing is, of course, it is, as I said, Trump County and Trump country up here. They they love Trump. But interestingly, they uh, so many people I spoke to when I was talking about 24, and even though they do believe a lot in the election was stolen, they believe that you can't believe a word that comes out of any journalist's mouth who isn't employed by Fox News. But a lot of them don't want to see him run again. Which I really? found very interesting. Yeah, that even though they don't believe, they think January 6th is a bunch of nonsense, they just spies Lynn Cheney with a vengeance, but they don't want to see Trump run again. They think that he's had his day. And one woman said to me that she thinks that if he does run again, he'll just be persecuted for another four years because they really, I mean, Trump uses the word persecuted himself all the time. And it's amazing how many people I've spoken to will use that word as well. They pick it up and they say he has been persecuted from day one they're persecuting him and if he runs again they'll just persecute him for another four years and so and it, it's sort of for oh, that reason a lot of them seem to think that would be better to just get again Ron DeSantis a few people did say uh, Mike Pompeo but Ron DeSantis seems to be the name on most people's lips up here even though Florida is a long long way from Wyoming they see him as a tough guy a guy who'll take no crap from Democrats and a guy who is it's not that they want Trump without the drama, which a lot of people, you know, further south want, but it's it's that they just think, as I say, that it it's it's a philosophical thing almost. Look, Trump had his time, he's mm. done now, and and we want the 
people to get on with the business of governing and not have these endless Trump dramas and distractions, which they don't blame him for. They blame Democrats for. But nonetheless, they see it as just, you know, an unnecessary nuisance. We're getting a really lovely picture of what it is to do your job in this episode, Marion. And I, I, I love when you say what I'm hearing from people. And I often wonder how you hear it from people. And is it a case of sidling up to somebody and saying, hi, my name's Marion McKeown and I work for X. How do you get these voices and this word on the ground? People tend to be very friendly once there's always a slight chill when 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 you approach people first when you're from out of state and especially and by god when you say you're a journalist there's and sometimes what happens and is you just start chatting like we're in this fantastic bar god i recommend it to everyone in buffalo and they had live country music on um the other night it was in it was in this historic old hotel with again the most like magnificent old like a westerns a proper western saloon just chatting in there to people and having fun you're having a laugh and then you know the i the conversation as it always does everywhere will eventually come around to politics and i said now i'm a journalist and so you have to preface it with that or otherwise if i'm speaking to people directly like business owners or whatever i will say look i'm here trying to find out what what Wyoming thinks of Liz Cheney. And either way, people are very happy, generally speaking, to talk to you. Some don't. A lot of, I find this with Republicans everywhere, a lot of them won't give you their second name. I don't know if they think you're from the federal government or something, <laughs> but they give you their first name, but they're very cagey about giving out information, even if they're being friendly and they're willing to chat. But, uh, you know, this isn't a Wyoming thing is all this is a thing that I at every Trump rally I ever went to they might give they'll give you a first name they won't give you a second and you wonder are they slightly embarrassed by being there but I don't think it's that I think they're just suspicious of mm. journalists and they're suspicious of government and they're suspicious of having maybe their think what they tell you distorted even though I always tape it um and and it's you know so that the, it, it makes I think me that, think of Donny O'Sullivan with his uh, microphone and him saying to somebody. <laughs> what's your name and him saying my name is fuck you and Tony <laughs> says and are you from Ohio <laughs> he just keeps going, just keep going. That, just that's just keep not going. the information he'll give but he will tell yeah. you about Ohio it's so that is so interesting and is yeah. that a fear of the establishment and what might be done with that information or is that just uh, th- these are there's the lines they're drawing huge, there's a huge distrust of journalists and especially what they would see as mainstream media and you know it's funny because in Wyoming it, it seems like literally not just every second person every every 80 out of 100 persons uh, has Irish ancestry and that will sort of get you in the door a little bit when you're chatting but but the generally the scepticism about the media and the distrust of as I said anybody who doesn't work for Fox News is palpable and even they'll joke about like even the talk to you like don't you go twisting my words now I don't you know it's, it, I mean there is a real there I think it's it, it you know it shows that Trump for four or five years beating up on the media on a daily basis and saying they're all liars and fake news it does filter down you know it really does and it, it it's it, it has its impacts but as I say again that it's interesting here because Liz Cheney I always assumed um, up to a point that you know Dick Cheney was revered here for until 
in a lot of cases until he became vice president. Now, a few people have said to me, we thought he was the greatest thing, but we hate him too. And they say the reason that they hated him was when he became vice president, he stopped representing Wyoming and he became all about big money and big industry. And Wyoming is not about that really at all. It does have some energy industry, but not a lot. It's basically 500,000 people who, a lot of artists up here, a lot of people who have come from, you know, other jobs and who settle in Wyoming. But it's a, it's a, it's a, county. It's a state of people who don't generally make a lot of money, although land has become very expensive here and so is property. But it, it, it's a state where they really thought that um, Dick Cheney screwed them as president and the the recession, the 2008 recession hit really hard up here and people lost their ranches and their homes and they saw him as just being the buddy of big business and he was Mr. Halliburton and while they did like Liz Cheney initially because she, her positions were clear, they now almost everybody I've spoken to except for a couple of blow-ins from Michigan and places regard her as an absolute traitor and but there are Cheney signs in a lot, like there are Cheney signs on the back roads, on the highways, in some gardens, you know, because I I find that a really good rule of thumb when you're gauging elections is how many yard signs there are with a candidate's name. And mm-hmm. I noticed that in 2020, there were a lot of Joe Biden, Kamala Harris signs in places I wouldn't have expected them, particularly in places like Georgia, you know, where and it did pan out. It did turn out that, yes, they did win Georgia. Um, and up here, there are a lot of big Cheney signs but they're they're the ones that she paid for and that's what people point out to they go she pays for those signs she has loads of money you know we're not putting I saw her name in a few front yards as I said mainly in, in Laramie and in Cheyenne where they're the, the bigger sort of southern towns but um, you know it's it's up here it's Harriet Hageman all the way even though Harriet Hageman has gone very quiet this weekend it's not obliging me by if she's cancelled some for events but the, but people are they, they want Cheney out and they don't just want her out out of Congress, they want her out of the state. They don't believe she's Wyoming. You know, she she's a true Wyoming person anymore, or that she represents them. Even though every one of her positions are so consistently Republican, like pro-gun, pro-drill, drill, drill, pro. You know, pro her pro anti-abortion, like such a strong. And you know, she's she. To me, I can't see daylight between what. Liz Cheney would say as her positions when I've been at her events and what people here want. It seems that they want the exact same thing. But for Wyoming now, it seems that so much of Wyoming, possibly except for the, you know, Jackson and as I said, you know, some smaller areas, just see her betrayal, they, what they regard as her betrayal of the Republican Party and Trump in particular as absolutely unforgivable. I can't see her winning um, this, this primary, which is coming up now in two weeks. Uh, less than two weeks um, I, I like she's asking Democrats to register and vote but they're, they're, like as I say there are two tiny Democratic counties in Wyoming out of the whole state and we're only talking half a million people anyway you know yeah, so well, um, it's, can I ask you this though because it it seems that bizarrely she is still in position to run for president despite this despite what you're describing they're, all I can um, find online yeah. is Word is that she hasn't ruled out the decision to declare as a presidential candidate. Is that just because she's the fiercest anti-Trump person in America right now? 
Well, you know, we spoke about this a couple of times, Charlotte, and I remember saying to you, I think she's in this for the long game. I think that she, and probably with a bit of advice from the old man, are saying this fever will break. Now, it it mightn't break for 2024, but it will probably break for 28 or 32. And that by then, Liz Cheney will be in her 60s, you know, in, in 2032, which she'll be, what, 65, you know, not old, by certainly by current standards. And I think that they believe that the Republican Party will see sense eventually will find its way back to the centre after it has imploded on, on the very far right. But it's showing no signs. It's all the signs the Republican Party are, is showing at the moment is going further to the extremes and further to the fringes. And you only have to look at the candidates who are coming up, you know, the, for the first time in, in 2016. So I think I would be amazed. I think it would be suicidal almost for Liz Cheney politically to run in 2024. She'd be eviscerated. But I think that, as I say, when the if the fever breaks, and certainly I think that's her calculation in 28 or 32, then she might be in with a shout. Because certainly around the country, people would not, like moderates and, um, you know, it, look, if you're running for president, the last state you need to carry is Wyoming. It's the last mm. one. It's the smallest state in the entire country. It has, what, three electoral college votes or something. It's just, but you need to carry the other states. So if you want to win as a moderate and a Republican, you need to carry Georgia, you need to carry Pennsylvania. And they're the states that she'd be looking at where you've got a lot of Republicans. And she's probably hoping that they will, you know, swing back from the extreme they're at at the moment and, and will move back towards the centre. And then she'd be seen as somebody who defended democracy, which she did to her credit, um, as you know, who had the courage to stand up and do the right thing. And I think certainly with independents and moderate Republicans, that would probably play well down the road you know so I I mean she's Liz Cheney's a very smart woman whether you agree with her policies or not she's a very smart woman and she's sure, certainly shown that she has the courage of her convictions and that she has principles and I think you know American politics is so devoid of principle nowadays I think that for certainly people I've spoken to outside of Wyoming even you know a lot of Democrats they are they do find it refreshing that somebody is prepared to go to the mat to almost certainly I mean I may be wrong we may be talking in two weeks time but I cannot see how she can win this race at the moment just based on on what I've been hearing up here uh, yeah. and you know so but we'll see we'll see I've, I've been wrong before god knows <laughs> well, i'm not sure that the bookies are even taking bets at the moment it seems like such a foregone conclusion so it really would be a turn up for the books if she manages to turn it but this uh, abortion ban uh, issue and how the uh, state judiciaries are trying to fight back to protect uh, these laws has to be a big yeah. story in places like wyoming dakota there's uh, other states, of course, that are doing it too, including Kentucky, Louisiana and Utah. Is this a big story over there at the moment? It it, it seems to be no, one you know, that's gaining a lot of know, headlines Charlie, here. It's so interesting because every place I go to in Wyoming, I pick up the local newspapers. And, you know, because you want to know what people are interested in and what they're, you know, it, it gives a really good idea of, of what the, the pressing issues are. It has not been mentioned in one of them, not one. 
Um, You know, so I think that what has made more news, interestingly, is the Kansas, um, the the, the vote in Kansas, where where, um, the right to abortion was defended by 59% to 41%. And Kansas is probably one of the most conservative, even more than Wyoming, because Wyoming gets its share of, as I said, artists and billionaires and liberals who fancy life on a ranch. But, you know, Kansas is, is one of the most conservative states in America along with probably Missouri, Mississippi, and it um, had a resounding vote to retain the right to abortion in its state, which I think, again, that people are, are talking about that, but they don't seem to be, you know, that there isn't a lot of, when you hear something's in court, I think people kind of park it and go, yeah, well, we'll see what happens. They, they, they mm. don't seem to see it as a burning issue for wh- whatever reason. So, um, yeah, and, and certainly I think that the, the, that canvas vote did, the Kansas vote did come as a big surprise across the country. I, I think it's it's caught everyone's attention. Yeah. We've so much to talk about, uh, Marion. I don't want to uh, get s- completely stuck in Wyoming, even though there we could, probably could do two <laughs> and a half hours. There are hours. worse places to be stuck, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> but this uh, assassination of Al-Zahawi yeah. this week has to, we have to talk about this because this seems like such a surgical strike. When they talk about that, yeah. I never buy it. I'm, I just go, oh. I mean, I would like to see what that looks like, but it seems like on the 31st of July, uh, this man walked out onto his balcony in downtown Kabul and at 6.18, two missiles slam into the balcony, killing him and leaving his wife and granddaughter unscathed. Tell us about the significance of him specifically and how this was done. Right. Well, I think how this was done, and it is, you're right, it is fascinating. Basically, to put it crudely, Charlotte, what the, the missiles, the Hellfire missiles that that targeted him directly, it's a bit like attaching the toughest blender you could find and basically attaching it to a rocket and pointing it at someone. Because what happens with these missiles is when they're launched, these lethal blades come out like two rings of lethal blades and if it hits you it basically shreds you you oh you, you know you it's it's like putting somebody into a blender and that is literally the only way i know it sounds crude that that i can describe it but it will target an individual now it's a bit like almost a tornado like I remember being in Fort Worth years ago where there was a tornado and it wrecked one side of the street. It laid waste to one side of Fort Worth. The other side didn't even have a cracked window. You know, so so this is when you hit somebody with this, you know, probably the balcony didn't even get much of a dent. You know, so it was, it hit him, it was aimed at him. And so his wife, his daughter, her children, nobody else was affected because obviously when when uh, Bin Laden was taken out, it was a cruder operation, you know. Mm. They, um, and uh, but the, this, what well, you're right. When they they often use surgical strikes, but this literally was surgical precision. And I think that, you know, this was a victory for Biden on on a couple of levels. First of all, the fact that they could do it at all because he had said we're going to be doing this over the horizon, you know, that we don't have to have boots on the ground to take out. The, the, you know these le- terrorists and and the terrorist leaders. We can do it just as effectively from a distance using our drones and using whatever else. And he's kind of been proven in this one instance. And we do have to say it's only one instance. He has been proven a hundred percent right in this instance. And you know, so I think that 
at the, the, the withdrawal from Afghanistan last August, it, that was the start of Biden's decline in popularity from which he has never recovered. It has to be said, it's been pretty well downhill more or less ever since. And because it was so botched and it didn't make sense and it wasn't well explained and it was awful, the images and, mm. you know, the suffering of the, the, these people and they were basically just abandoned and left to their fate. It's like, okay, we've had enough now. It was everything that American foreign policy has been criticised for decades that they just, leave, they turn their back on the allies, the people who risk their lives and they leave them high and dry and and you know and and not only that but they're, they're left to the mercy of the taliban which was you know had such a brutal regime before they were taken out of power in in 2000 and, and was it 2000 early 2002 no late 2001 december 2001 they fell uh so it's it you know so i i think um the fact but that they, but you, let I'll, me jump in yeah. there because the you sure. know the fact that he was on the ground in kabul is probably part thing. of that, yeah, that's part of the pullout yeah. that that he felt safe to live and dwell in the city there, despite the assurances that terrorist organizations wouldn't be welcome to conduct their business. I think the the wording they used at the time, the Taliban used at the time, was around there wouldn't be any terrorist actions launched from here, but he didn't yeah. say anything about terrorists living there yeah and you know it's it is you're absolutely right they did parse those words but the you may remember back in 2000 now there is no way there is no way that he was living in a property that belonged to apparently a deputy minister of the interior and and in the part of Kabul, which I suppose everything is relative, it's known as the wealthy part of Kabul. It's where the American the American embassy was ten blocks down sure, the road. It's the Donny Brook um, of Kabul. <laughs> you could say that. Yeah. Maybe, perhaps even the Fox Rock of Kabul. Yeah. But it's where all the Taliban leaders live. It's where all the the, the powerful Taliban people live. That that they didn't know he was in their neighborhood is absurd. Of course, they. not only do they know he was there, but they covered him and they protected him. Now, in the Doha Accords, you may remember that back in 2019, Donald Trump invited the Taliban leaders to Camp David, no less. He decided they should come to America and come to Camp David and they'd all have a good old chinwag over the weekend. And it was only the shock. People like across the board's revulsion, I think, that stopped him. Plus, he didn't, of course, invite the 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 um, the, the government, like the the the, the U.S. supported government. He, he never extended an invitation to them. But anyway, let's fast forward. The Doha Agreement was signed. And in that, it was said that there would be no tolerance of terrorists or anybody who wished America harm. Well, everybody knew at the time that the Doha agreement wasn't worth the paper it was signed on, that if the Taliban got back into power, they would just be the Taliban all over again, only perhaps maybe worse. And it has been proven, I think, to me, certainly, and I think everybody accepts, the Taliban knew that al-Zawari was there in their midst. He was in a house, as I said, that was owned by them. And after this strike happened, uh, the, the the wife, his wife, his daughter and his grandchildren were sprouted out immediately by the Taliban to safety. So there was, you know, there's no doubt that he was there with their consent and, and with their knowledge. There's absolutely no doubt about that. And it just shows that the Taliban, while they were making this deal with Donald Trump that he was bragging about, there was never any intention to, to, to stick by it, you know, quite clearly, mm -hmm. I think. And I think that this sort of, you know, in a way, um, it, it's... It, 
it's good for Biden and it's not because it's Biden, one of the reasons he said they had to pull out was that he said, well, you know, Trump signed this agreement and we have to honour it. And uh, basically we have to honour it. And if we don't, it, you know, our troops could become targets. And he did use that in a way that I found entirely unconvincing as one of the main reasons that he had to pull out. It was like, well, Donald Trump made me do it basically. But clearly that agreed, that accord was worthless. And Biden, in fact, didn't have to consider himself bound by it. And we've seen now probably exactly how worthless it was. But I think we need to talk about who Al-Zawari was and, and yes. why this was such a big, after bin Laden, the, you know, the biggest um, feather in the Captain American present that, that you could have in terms Let's of combating terrorism. Let's do that okay. after the break over on patreon.com forward slash Irishmanabroad. And after the break, we will talk about who this man was. What are right. the chances of a retaliation as a result of this killing? We'll also have a quick look at Alex Jones and his admission yeah. in court that Sandy Hook was not a hoax uh, and a couple of other big legislative wins for Biden again this week. He's on a bit of a roll at the moment. He's on a roll. Let's do it. Ready? You have the cameras rolling. This is America. A lot of people who would probably consider themselves liberal have done very well financially under the Donald Trump four years. You encouraged espionage against our people. You condemn any interference by Russia in the American election. By Russia or anybody else. Russia, please, if you can, get us Hillary Clinton's emails. Please, Russia, please. To renew America, we must revitalize our democracy. 